Greg Joseph and special teams play won them the game, but who are the unsung heroes for the Vikings now that the dust has settled? Plus, your Minnesota Timberwolves preview as their season kicks off tonight. It's all coming up next on Superior Sports Talk. Carol Evans sports anchor Reggie Wilson covers the Twin City sports scene nonstop. Luke Inman is ready to put him on the hot seat. That's what you're going to do to me. Instant analysis. Yanked. Out you go. Post-game breakdowns and red hot takes. The Timberwolves need a stick. Reggie and Luke give you a daily dose of Minnesota sports with superior sports talk. Part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. And it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode of Superior Sports Talk presented by Lockdown Sports Minnesota, your daily 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports. Find us streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Look out for our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's Reggie Wilson on Twitter, at Reggie Wilson TV and on CARE 11. Tuesday, Reg, Vikes atop the NFC North. Wolves kicking off their season tonight versus the Heat. How we feeling? Feeling good, man. We also only have a couple games left of the Twins' regrettable end of the season. So they're still going. Looking towards that's, the future. That's that's still happening, huh? All right. Well, yeah. lots yeah. to get into, but remember, follow along on the Lockdown Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button and leave us a comment. And on Twitter, give us a follow. It's at Lockdown MIN. And remember, we're a podcast too, free and available all platforms: Spotify. Apple, you name it. We got it. Tons of great choices over there. You got the Ron Johnson show, the football party, and more. It's your one-stop shop with endless Viking stock with local experts. Do us a favor, hit the subscribe button, drop us a five-star review. All right, to football we go. We all know how it ended now. Vikes win dramatic fashion thanks to the double doink by Will Lutz. Greg Joseph, five for five on field goals, including the go-ahead winner. Special teams as a whole, though, the clear-cut catalyst to the Vikings win when you just step back and look at this thing as a whole. Matt Daniels has his unit firing on all cylinders. Chris Boyd with the fumble recovery. Joseph, five for five, throwing a fake punt conversion for good measure. Two good kick returns. You love to see it, but... How about the games within the game a little bit more? Obviously, J.J. deserves a ton of credit and love. 10 catches on 12 catchable balls. Buck 47 had a rushing TD. Maybe most impressive, did it on Marshawn Lattimore, who he wanted to get frisky. He asked for it. He shadowed J.J. all game long. The highest-graded player, though, according to PFF for the Vikings, was Christian Derisaw for the second straight week. He had a 75.3. Despite what felt like maybe a lot of pressure on Kirk, the second-year left tackle held his own versus the likes of Marcus Davenport, Cam Jordan, and maybe had the run block of the day on that Alexander Madison screen pass for a touchdown on the opening drive. Other PFF leaders here, Ed Ingram was the second-highest-graded offensive player, followed by J.J., Thielen and Cousins. Defensively, your top five went like this. Dalvin Tomlinson, numero uno. Tiny Dantzler was second over there at cornerback. James Lynch was third. And then you had Pat P and Harrison Phillips rounding out the top five. I will say, though, the top two on defense, Tomlinson and Dantzler, far and away the best scores. 89.8 and 85.9, respectively. Two outstanding grades. They really don't hand those kind of grades out very often, PFF, that is. Then a drop off a little bit to James Lynch. Reg, your thoughts on the unsung heroes, I guess, in Sunday's win. The guys that maybe didn't get a ton of the spotlight, but really just had good games and stuck out to you. Yeah, I mean... It starts with with JJ. Obviously, mm -hmm. he gets the the spotlight, mm -hmm. but 
you know, he did what he had to do. I think the the offensive line as well, you know, there was a lot of pressure on Kirk Cousins. But when the game mattered most, he mm-hmm. got the time that he needed to deliver the passes that he needed to deliver to put the game away. And that's really all you can say about it. Um, and that last drive, it's tough, man, because if Lutz makes that field goal, you're just like, oh, man, here we go. And I think here's the thing. With the defense, they play this bend, don't break. And I think we talked about it yesterday. They are mighty bendy. Mm. They're, they're mighty bendy. <laughs> but, you know, when <laughs> they're like, you know, they're like the Matrix out there. They're just like, <laughs> you know, but but I think the the thing is, is like at the end of the day, in these games, they, they don't break per se. And mm-hmm. so I think you have to give that unit – a lot of credit just because like they do what they're supposed to do. I don't think I understand the strategy on defense mm-hmm. because they just continue to just allow all of this like traffic or, or they don't allow a lot of traffic. They, they, they're playing back they're They're playing soft coverage. And it's just the, the weirdest thing. So guys like Andy Dalton are dropping back and just chopping up the defense. But I think what's interesting is even though it looked like the the Saints were doing a lot on the ground, they actually weren't. They actually did a good job of of curtailing the run for most of the game. And so I think that was a, a underrated aspect because if you had the running game going and then Andy Dalton dropping back and just chopping them up on defense as well, I think you had a problem. So I give I give kudos to that defensive unit. Yeah, we're going to get into the power rankings here in a little bit, but just because you called them bendy, yeah, I mean, they are soft. I'm going to start calling them Gumby, man. Soft and bendy. Kevin Seifert noted in the power rankings, this soft coverage is clearly the Achilles heel of the team just in general. Vikings opponents are catching 75% of their target passes, the second highest rate in the NFL. Of the 97 pass completions against them, 69 have come by receivers who have at least three yards of separation at the time of throw. That's the fourth highest total in the league as well. So you're waiting to see what Ed Donatel is going to do to make these proper adjustments, throwing a different couple new looks, different wrinkles. They also haven't blitzed a lot. They're one of the lowest dialing up the blitz, especially on third and long situations. Not what we're used to seeing coming from that Mike Zimmer era from the last eight years. Interesting to note. The top two offensive players were offensive linemen, Darison, Ed Ingram, but two of their bottom three players were Bradbury and Cleveland, along with Johnny Munt. Defensively, the bottom three were Jordan Hicks, Harrison Smith, and Cam Bynum. Slightly worrisome when you got two players with such low grades at the same position, especially with the fact now we know we're not going to see Lewisine for a long time, suffered that gruesome ankle injury so bad he had to be aircasted. He stayed back in London for surgery. Seifert also reported he's had one of two surgeries done on his ankle. No word on how long he'll be gone. Obviously done for the year. You just hope he can play football again someday, so prayers up to him. Outside of that, Harrison Smith was banged up. Sounds like he'll be okay. Andrew Boot Jr., he could make his long-awaited return finally this week as well. Quick thoughts on the team right now and their depth, how that's held up when needed. Because remember, Kendricks went out for a while. You saw Troy Dye come in. Dantzler went out for a bit. It was a Caleb Evans over there. Thielen, Zadarius Smith, Dalvin Cook, all less than 100% right now. Yeah, I think they're going to have to lean on their key guys. Like, mm-hmm. you know, with 
with Dalvin not being 100%. He's just a warrior, man. He's going to go out there and do what he has to do. But you got guys like J.J., Thielen, Osborne. They weren't necessarily as involved in the game as maybe the the game last week. But you lean on those guys. You, you lean on maybe some quick passes so you can kind of stabilize, neutralize a little bit of that pressure in Kirk Cousins' face. And look, there are some injuries, but there are some stalwarts along that defense with Horrible Harry out there, Tomlinson out there. Those guys have been a stable force on that defense. Jordan Hicks has been stable. You know, Eric Kendricks has dealt with a little bit. But, you know, Troy Dye, when he's coming to the game, he's been solid. You know, I, maybe maybe you throw Asamoah out there, you know, see what he can do a little bit when, when he has to spell – uh, guys like Kendricks. And look, I think they hold up well, you know, with Harrison Smith being out last week, Josh Metellus came in and played well. I think that gives mm-hmm. you a lot of confidence that he can do what they need him to do in, in a fill-in role. That being said, Harrison Smith is still Harrison Smith, and you would love to have him out there if he's available. The cornerback situation is interesting for me because, you know, you have an aging veteran in Pat Pete who, as these games have kind of gone along, you just kind of see, like, just how he's adapting to what his skill set is right now. You know, like, if he's behind on a play, he's able to catch up a little bit, knock the ball away, and, and do what he needs to do. And that's encouraging. Man, you would love to see what Andrew Booth can do out there. And I'm ready. You just kind of, yeah. Uh, you know, I, I had I had a guy that was in my uh, Instagram inbox who's been just stomping for Lewis Seen. Mm-hmm. And yesterday mm-hmm. he's just like, man, I've been, been asking for him, and then he gets hurt. Uh, and I think it's kind of similar with Andrew Booth Jr. You're – seeing a lot of hype around this guy, especially, you know, with the first round draft grade that he had and then him dropping down to the Vikings. You're like, oh man, they got a steal. And then all of a sudden he comes out first week, boom, injury. One of the things that you just hope wasn't going to be the case with him and you're waiting to see him get out there and you're excited about what he can do. You know, he was a little handsy in training camp, a little handsy in the preseason. Those are things that, you know, you try to coach out of a guy, but you can't coach a guy that's not available. And so you really hope that he can kind of get over that injury and get back out there and do what he needs to do. But look, Cam Dantzler, he's been solid. Patrick Peterson, he's been solid. What you do want to see is to see them just press a little bit more, Mm -hmm. a little bit more Mm -hmm. cover one, a little bit more, you know, a little bit less on the, the cover three fronts and, that's that's really what you want to see because when guys – Andy Dalton, looking at his stats, he was 20 of 28, had a 108 passer rating last week. His first start of the season, he's been chilling on ice up until <laughs> this last game. And it and felt he like comes, he started like 12 of 13 too. Like it yeah. felt like he didn't have an incompletion the first half. It was crazy. And you look at, you look at last week, Goff came out on fire in fuego, mm-hmm. chopping mm-hmm. him up. And you're just like, okay, what's going on here? The the only time that that they flustered or stifled a quarterback was week one against Aaron Rodgers. 
And it was mostly because they were still just trying to figure out what the heck their offense is going to look like. And then we saw a lot of pressure. We haven't seen that amount of pressure on the quarterback since week one. And so I, I'm really just interested to see, like, what's going on. You know, Zadarius is less than 100%. He had the knee injury going back to last week. So these injuries obviously are doing something. But you would hope to see a little bit more production on that defensive side of the ball. Yeah, Gumby defense, soft and bendy. Again, 31st in the league in pass completions given up because of that soft coverage that you're talking about. 31st in the league in yards allowed, excuse me, on defense. But 12th in the league, points given up. So when you look at the first four games, seven points against the Packers, 24 against the Eagles, didn't allow a point in the second half, 24 against mm -hmm. the Lions, maybe one of the best offenses in the league, and then 25 against the Saints, you're averaging 20 points allowed per game. 20 points. It's somewhat of a bend, but don't break. Not your Mike Zimmer bend, but don't break defense, but certainly you're waiting for Donatel to start making some adjustments. Just be a little bit more aggressive. That's all. Weekly tradition, checking on the latest ESPN Power Rankings. Vikings come in as, as the seventh best team in the NFL. That's fun to say, man. Seventh best team in the NFL through four weeks. Gotta say, we both griped on a lot of experts national-wise as far as where they were projecting the Vikings. But even having said that, I don't think I expected the Vikes to be, through four weeks, through four games, the seventh best team in these power rankings. Higher than teams like the Bucks, Ravens, Chargers, and Bengals. Packers land at number four. Lions at 25. And the Bears, despite a better record than the Lions, they're all the way down at 28. What's just the quick snapshot of each team in the NFC North right now, how they're playing? Because I look at these records for each team in this division, and to be honest, it doesn't always match up with how good or bad I'm seeing them play on the field right now. Yeah, you look at the Lions, and I, I tweeted this on Sunday. They are the most competitive <laughs> mid-grade team mm -hmm. that I think we have seen. Like, they lead the league in passing. Like, they are just killing it. Can't stop a thing on defense. Like, can't stop a thing. That yeah, game like a top three Seattle offense and Sunday, a bottom three defense. Yeah, that's yeah. what we're getting mm -hmm. Aaron Glenn is supposed to be like a, a rising head coaching candidate. I know he is hot right now with this mm -hmm. defensive unit. Like, what are they doing? And you look at the defense, and they got guys all over the field that you were like, okay, like, they shouldn't be like this. You know, you, you got Aiden Hutchinson out there, Michael Brockers out there on the defensive front. Then you got Rodrigo, you know, mm -hmm. uh, stabilizing Jeff the Okuda. linebacking unit. Jeff Okuda stabilizing the cornerback unit. But for some reason, they're awful on defense. They're awful. The offense is wonderful. Saw Jamal Williams break that long run last week. Jared Goff looks great this mm -hmm. season, like, Looks like uh, he's still taking that trade personally uh, from the Rams, mm -hmm. coming out there and killing it. So I understand, you know, where they are, but I just still think they're probably going to be like an eight, nine win team when it's all said and done because they just don't have enough to to really put these teams away. The Bears are a conundrum. They got two wins this season, and how? you're still wondering how, how. how? But there are times last week or last game when Justin Fields just looked like he was on an island out there. Like mm -hmm. his complement of receivers just aren't, you know, like Mooney is solid, but he's probably like a number two receiver in the league. Equinemius St. Brown is solid, but he's probably a number three guy. 
you know, like they, they just don't, they, they bring Velas Jones in and maybe I think they expect a lot from him, but I, I don't think you draft a guy. Where's the X factor though. Where's the guy that scares you? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yep. They need some help. I think it is malpractice what they're Mm -hmm. doing, trying to develop Justin Fields while also stunting his growth with the lack of weapons that they've given him and the lack of, of offensive line play. Like by the time the end of this season, like he's going to be a guy that is is shell-shocked or something. Like, you know, he's looking I, – I was looking at Courtney Cronin's tweet um, from game day, and she was saying that he was looking to run a lot more because he just didn't have trust that his guys would get it done down the field. They aren't getting any separation, mm-hmm. and it's making it really tough to to find a window to throw to some of these guys. And Either he's taking those chances and making mistakes – or he's he's looking to tuck and run quickly, and you don't want that to become a part of his game where he's kind of like a one read and go type of a guy because that's not quarterback play in the NFL. So you kind of worry about that. The Packers, that was the most I guess unimpressive look at their team on that Sunday. Was wild. You know, like they they won, but it really wasn't pretty. Like it, it really wasn't not convincing know, at all. Yeah, so they're still – I think the Packers and the Vikings, we're still trying to figure out exactly who they are. Like, what is this team? You know, for all of of what was said about Kevin O'Connell's offense, I feel like we've only seen like a, a fraction of how explosive this offense can be. You know, especially yeah. with all these drives ending – in field goals instead of touchdowns, you're like, dang, man, I thought this was supposed to be like an aggressive attacking offense. Why is it that they can't get the ball into the end zone enough? Because if they did that on Sunday, that game gets put away in London like way earlier than it did. And it's, you know, you're, you're falling asleep with your morning coffee or tea <laughs> in, in the morning watching that game because you're like, oh, okay, they're doing what they're supposed to do. And that's just not happening right now. As far as the Packers, like, they still are trying to figure out who the heck, you know, they're, they're throwing the guys like Romeo Dobbs. They're, I saw they're, they're doing a lot of, like, sweep-type things with Christian Watson. He scored mm-hmm. his first touchdown, but it wasn't through the air. It was on the ground. And, and it's, it's, it's just interesting, like, these two teams are figuring it out. And it could be pretty much a arms race when it comes down to the end of the season for who takes this division. Starting slow, not like new for Packers fans. They've been known to do this before, and then they just find some momentum, find their chemistry Mm -hmm. and timing, and get hot. Aaron Rodgers, clearly the best player on that team. But offensively, your best two players after Rodgers might be Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon, and they're just still trying to figure out how to get both those guys on the field and utilize all this young talent at wide receiver, too, with Christian Watson, Romeo Dubs, and then some veterans sprinkled in there with Robert Tunyon and Sammy. Watkins and Randall Cobb. So I expect them to eventually here as the weeks progress, start to find a little bit more timing in chemistry for sure. You know, they're going to be in it right at the end. Two more weeks until the Mm -hmm. Vikes have their bye week. 
They've got the Bears this week in the backyard, U.S. Bank, followed by a road trip to Miami where they'll likely take on Teddy Bridgewater, something fans will be awfully excited about. Both games at noon. Remember, Kirk Cousins' record and stat splits in noon games are remarkable. Clearly a guy who prefers to play in that noon slot. Plenty more Vikings in NFL to get into. Next, we're getting into our Timberwolves preview. But first, Vikings Super Bowl odds move to 18-1 to after their win. Just keeps creeping up and up. You can check those odds out and more with BetOnline. BetOnline.net, fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games, stats, news, info. You want it, they got it. BetOnline makes betting easy and is your number one source for all your betting needs. Go to BetOnline.net today to learn more. That's BetOnline.net where the game starts. And remember, when you subscribe to Locked On Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Sam and Ron talk football every day on the Ron Johnson Show. Reggie Wilson gives you a sports anchor's perspective right here on Superior Sports Talk. And the Minnesota Football Party brings together the top Vikings podcasters in the city. Subscribe to the free Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you find your podcast. Drop us a five-star review or find our videos on the Locked On Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. Leave Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. Find us streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices now as well. So look out for our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. All right. To basketball we go. Your Minnesota Timberwolves kick off the new season tonight in their first preseason game on the road in Miami, taking on the Heat. I got to back up here, to be honest. Start here first, though, Reg, because I heard Cat was hospitalized and, like, out of action. Sounds like he's back now. He's in good spirits. But you got to help me get caught up here. Summarize what took place as far as what you know and, and, and his status now going into the preseason. So last week, the Wolves started training camp. Mm-hmm. It came out for media day. Cat was supposed to be the first player to talk to us. We get word that he's not going to be there non-COVID illness. And so every day during camp, we're going out, we're like, uh, what's going on? Where is he? Mm-hmm. He's still out. Then on Sunday, Jordan Woods, his girlfriend, puts out an Instagram story that Kat was in the hospital. And we're like, dang, like what's going on? But she showed a picture of him smiling in the car. He was looking, you know, better. So then we're like, okay, we saw that they had, you know, uh, an availability yesterday. So we sent our guys there at CARE 11, like, hey, maybe Cat will be back. We don't know. Cat was back. Slim. Slim. Really? Yeah, down to 231 pounds. Oh, my. Okay. After being at a playing weight of 248 last year, as you just saw on the screen skinny cat man he had his shirt off and he just he looked like skin and bones out there Mm. espn came out with an article cat didn't want to get into it you know he just said he he was glad to not be at home recovering wasn't clear to even walk until saturday espn came out because of course they did whoever is in cat's camp you know he needs to he needs to he's got some loose lips Mm -hmm. because brian windhorse reported on ESPN's front page yesterday, that cat had a throat infection. And that's what okay. sidelined him. Okay. And you're just like, dang, man. But like, you could just tell, like, when cat came back, like his face looked slimmer, you know, and then his, his, he had his shirt off as he was practicing yesterday. He's just like, wow, like, this dude looks really slim. 
And we don't know his status for the game tonight. I would imagine maybe he wouldn't play. And if he did, maybe just a little bit. You know, he, he missed a whole week of, of practice last week as they are trying to install. You know, got these twin towers that they're trying to roll out there. Right. He missed a week of practice with that guy, with Rudy Gobert. And mm-hmm. so not really sure, you know, what his timetable is on when he's going to be available, but he is back with the team, back practicing, and he says he feels much better than he did. But he says for a while there, basketball wasn't the focus. It was just him getting better health-wise. Boy, that that is wild. Thanks for getting us caught up. Kind of just mysterious and obviously worrisome, especially happening so close to the start of the season. But sounds like he's all good now on the home front. But, you know, I wouldn't expect him to play. Why rush him back, knowing just how maybe serious that infection was and knowing his playing weight is down and he's, he's so far behind on the installs and everything else. Give him a few days at least, if not a week or two, to get caught up here. ESPN busted out yeah. the regular season win projections yesterday. Timberwolves, remember, went 46-36 and 36 last year. That was good enough for the seventh seed. Well, ESPN has them projected with 45.7 wins this year. So call it 46, same as last year. Copy-paste. The difference is, in this exercise, that's good for fifth-best record in the West, according to ESPN, right behind the Suns, Nuggets, Pelicans, and Grizzlies. Thoughts on the Wolves' projection and where they kind of fit in in this Western Conference? Because everybody's just curious. A lot of excitement around this team, for sure, but a lot of unknowns at the same time. Yeah, you know, it was interesting. When we talked to Chris Finch last week, he talked about it. Like, in the league where everyone's going small, they're going big. Not really sure what that's going to net them moving forward, but we did see how in the playoffs, when a team does go big, how that could help them, talking about the Grizzlies against the Timberwolves. They attacked them on the boards. It was it was tough, man. They had a lot of points in the paint in the playoff series, and that seemingly gets neutralized with an addition like Rudy Gobert. How it looks is interesting because, you know, Cat's a guy that wants to spread the floor. Rudy's a guy that wants to protect the paint. He's a rim protector. How is that going to work together? We saw a little bit yesterday in practice, Cat's rolling on the pick and roll, and he's lobbing it up to Rudy, and Rudy catches it and slams it home. We're like, oh, that's that's something. Hmm, that, okay. that would be interesting. What's interesting about this list, though, the NBA champion Golden State Warriors, they have at eight. I don't get it. Yeah, why? With 40, 42 Stop. wins. Excuse Stop. me? Stop it. What? Stop And all of these wins seem mighty low, don't they? Like, Yes, they do. I, they're behind the Dallas Mavericks, who they beat in the playoffs last year. They got Dallas at 43 wins. The Clippers at 43 wins. I do think the Clippers are going to be – a team this year if if Paul George can stay healthy because as you know he still has the the torn elbow he's just playing through it he That's didn't wild. opt to get the Tommy John surgery so he's still he's still playing with that he's just going to keep going with that they got Kawhi back Kawhi missed all of last year with the torn ACL he's going to be back John Wall is healthy and he's going to be a player for them like that team can be scary this year but I think when you look at it, like they 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 believe a lot in the Pelicans, don't they? With with Zion coming back and that that was news to me. And then they have a lot of faith in the Nuggets. You know, we did see last night Jamal Murray 
is mm-hmm. back, sank that corner three in his first mm-hmm. shot back in the league after he missed uh, last season with the torn ACL as well. So, and, and you know, they're, they're all in on the Phoenix Suns, even with a little bit of disarray between DeAndre Aiden saying that he hasn't talked to their head coach, Monty Williams, since the playoffs last year. Like, uh, that's, that's kind of weird. And, you know, they mm-hmm. were thinking he was trade bait this offseason trying to maybe swing something for Kevin Durant as well. Or, you know, the Pacers signed Aiden to that offer sheet and then the Suns are like, no, 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 we'll match that. We'll bring him back. We'll, we'll have him back. He's just like, uh, I don't really feel <laughs> that wanted, but, you know, I guess. I feel the got love number here. One. Yeah, yeah, they got him number one in the Western Conference. So that's that's interesting. You know, I think high mark for the Wolves will be like a 60-win season. But I think mm-hmm. it just remains to be seen in this new age NBA how these twin towers are going to work together. Two seven-foot guys starting in your lineup. Chris Finch has quite the job to do, and I'm looking forward to seeing him execute it. Yeah, no doubt. NBA zigging, T-Wolves zagging right now. Low projection totals for sure. I'm with you on that. And also interesting, not that much of a difference between some of the lower teams and the highest team. For example, Wolves there at, what, 46 wins. Well, the Suns at the number one seed, they're at about 49, call it 50 wins. So not that big Mm -hmm. of a difference between these teams either. Article notes, out of all the teams in the conference in this projection, T-Wolves probably the most interesting because they project as a top 10 team both offensively and defensively now with Rudy Gobert, three-time Defensive Player Mm -hmm. of the Year, now in the mix. So just a lot of excitement, a lot of optimism around this club, but a lot of unknowns, as I mentioned. We just don't know how this whole thing will shake out as Chris Finch kind of draws up this new game plan and how to utilize and maximize all this talent. Tip-off tonight, 6.30 p.m. Central Standard Time. Wolves start their 2022 season versus the Miami Heat. Then they travel to L.A., West Coast, to take on the Lakers Thursday night at 9 p.m. Central Standard Time. Rest assured, Reggie and I will be back here to break it all down. Crazy, man. This is the most excited I've been about the Wolves and the NBA in years. Uh, I think I'm buying in, man. I'm in, baby. You got a fantasy league I can join or what? Come on, man. I'm on in. I'm excited. Look, you're on your own with that fantasy stuff. I retired. (laughs) Done. Done. (laughs) That's it. All right. Hey, that's a wrap today. We're back tomorrow breaking down more Vikings, NFL, T-Wolves. Remember, got to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. And join us every day for another episode with your 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports. We're a podcast, too. Free and available. All platforms. Subscribe. Drop us a five-star review. And find us streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. You got to look out for our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's the man, Reggie Wilson, on Twitter at Reggie Wilson TV, and you check them out every night up on Care 11. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter at Luke underscore Spinman. Special thanks to our producer, Matt DeBridge. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk, part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing out. Be blessed. Spread love today. <laughs>